Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Dare I say, I told you so. I said it Monday. I said it yesterday. I've been sticking to my guns on this for at least a fortnight. That this would be much, much, much closer than anybody thought. And anybody who thought that it was going to be a landslide for Joe Biden was just barking up the wrong tree Entirely, And it looks like it mightn't be over now on Thursday or Friday. Like, it is going to drag on and on and on. They've both been speaking this morning, and I'll get to that in a wee while. But first of all, when I go to political correspondent Sean Defoe, who's uh, been pulling in all nighter and watching it nationally. Sean, good morning to you. Good morning. It has been a long one, and it's going to be longer still. Absolutely. It's about 4 a.m. now, Eastern time in the States, and some of the counting has stopped for the morning for them to just get a little bit of sleep and get in those particular swing states that are going to decide it. But it has been a very long night, kind of as we expected. We saw a couple of states come out early uh, inaccurately. We saw some of them leaning towards Biden. It looked as though he might get there in Ohio early on, Texas, North Carolina, all places that ultimately went red and went for Trump. And now what we're seeing is potentially the opposite or potentially a Trump win because we're looking now at the key states uh, which have emerged, which are uh, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan. And they started off quite heavily Trump and as expected over the evening have kind of eased towards Biden. And now there's um, there's a rake of votes basically that are, are heavily Democrat. We suspect because they were the initial, the postal voting that was done in advance, which all night has been leaning heavily Democrat. And they're the ones we're waiting on to really decide this election. Yeah. At the moment, looking at it, the, the magic number, of course, is 270. And as I speak, the Associated Press has a tracker and it's got Joe Biden on 238 and Donald Trump on 2.13. But that doesn't tell uh, the full story. That will close that gap. It will, and it, it could be, I mean, it could be as tight as the draw. Some have been uh, suspecting, and the numbers are there to actually make that happen. Uh, 1,800 that enough. last happened, Sean. It, it, uh, yeah, and it, it's a remarkable scenario when it does. It has to go to the House of Congress and go through this all uh, as absolutely strange and bizarre situation. Um, 
sort of a system, which I suppose is the American system in general, that's probably quite unlikely. But there, we do now know basically the key paths um, for both of them. They, it looks as though Donald Trump is probably going to win Georgia, even though there has been a little bit of a comeback from Joe Biden there. And then there's three states left, and whoever wins two of them looks like they're going to win the presidency, effectively. Yeah. Larry Donnelly, the, the well-known Democrat, registered Democrat, but he's a well-known political commentator. He was saying earlier this morning, doing all the various paths and the various ways of tagging the numbers together, there is a possibility this could come out 270 to 268 in favour of of Joe Biden. Now, that would be a recipe for a lot of tension. Oh, completely. Yeah, it would really... Uh, dial up the tension and already in what they've been saying this morning and I know you've got some of the audio Donald Trump has uh, has been trying to, to do that he said he's going to go to the Supreme Court that he's basically the Democrats are trying to rob this election out from under him and he wants to stop the counting of votes that have already uh, been put forward, votes that could prove very, very contentious. I, I think overall what we are seeing, whichever way it goes, and it is still on a knife edge, this is the most divisive U.S. election in a long, long time. You could say that uh, 2000 in terms of the how close it was is comparable. But in terms of the febrile atmosphere around it and the sheer uh, division and kind of general sense of fear in the U.S., I don't think we've seen anything like it. Postal voting is a big thing in the States. It's it's probably considerably bigger than, than it is here. But in, on this occasion... It's it's even bigger than, than ever before. Explain for people, Sean, who are confused about this, why is there such a, a fuss about postal voting this time and the idea that can you still register a vote now by post? Well, there's a couple of, of, of things around it. Obviously, coronavirus is the reason that this is, uh, has been such a big thing. Was a lot of people didn't want to vote in person. And the Democrats based a lot of their voting strategy, their get-out-and-vote strategy around postal votes. That was So the postal votes this time lean heavily towards the Democrats in some areas, uh, three, three to one. Now you're seeing 75% of the postal votes breaking in favour of Joe Biden. One of the other complicating factors is that not every state is counting them in the same way. So some of them uh, counted the, like Florida, for example, had been counting the postal votes first. And so we got that initial wave at the start of pro-Biden votes. And then they moved on to the ones that were actually uh, cast physically. And that's when was a change towards Trump. Other states are doing it the other way around, like some of the ones in the Rust Belt that we're seeing now become so um, so influential, whereby the uh, in-person votes, which lean towards the Republicans, were done first. And now we are getting the postal votes. And so why that is so contentious at the moment, obviously, is that based on the current figures, if everything was to stop right now, Donald Trump wins. He's ahead in, all, in these three key states. But the votes that are left are going to be heavily Biden because they were postal votes. Now, Is there something about the closing date for a postal vote too, Sean? Like here, if you post, you have to post your vote in and it has to be in quite a while before polling day. Is there there an issue over the closing date for postal voting? Yes, there is. And again, different states have taken different approaches and different courts in different states have actually ruled different approaches to this. So some of them, for example, are accepting ballots that arrive up to three or four days after the election itself, as long as they have a postmark saying that they were sent by the third. So you could see uh, votes coming in on Friday and Saturday in some of these states and then being registered and particularly when a a, a race is particularly tight, they obviously have an impact. 
And the message that Donald Trump is trying to, to put out, certainly this morning, is that, oh, these are uh, illegitimate votes. These are votes that the Democrats are finding down the back of the sofa and they're going to produce them at 4 a.m. and steal the election away from you and take your, your mandate. That's what he has been pushing for months and months and months, trying to decredit the postal voting, even though there are quite strict rules around it. The fact that there are, uh, the rules can be quite confusing because they differ from state to state, mm. certainly hasn't helped. Um, but that's the, the message that Donald Trump is playing on now that he has a lead at the moment. There was an interesting exit poll last night that CNN had where they put the economy considerably more important in the minds of the voter than, than COVID-19. And Trump, remember, he, he kind of abandoned the whole COVID issue a while back and and focused on the economy. Could that have tightened things further? I think it could. I think it did more so than people thought. A lot of people thought it would be a COVID-based election and what came out was that, as you say, the the top issue was the economy. It's a little hard to gauge how accurate this exit poll is because obviously there were so many people, so many postal votes, but what they did is they rang around 25,000 postal voters after they had voted and got their uh, take on it as well. So it is quite representative and uh, it showed that the, the coronavirus, in fact, was only the uh, the third highest uh, thing on people's agendas. There was also some interesting figures that uh, there was a real split down the middle as to how the US has handled it. And obviously we're looking over at the US and most of the commentary here is that the, the country is an absolute basket case. There's been more than 200,000 deaths and because of COVID-19, there's been a huge amount of, of um, controversy around it. And yet almost half of people in uh, the States actually think that the, that the administration has been handling it pretty well. So that hasn't damaged him as much as people thought. The fact that pre-COVID, uh, the economy was running very well. The Democrats obviously argued that was because he inherited it from uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden and was just able to keep things ticking over. But a lot of people brought into that message that Trump will get your jobs back. And uh, as we come out of this, he'll be the man to do that. And that'll certainly tighten the race. Yeah, and it's a race that we won't know the result of for quite some time yet. Before I let you go, Sean, I have to ask you about the other big story you've been covering in the past 24 hours, and that's Leo in the doll yesterday. Is he off the hook? God, yeah, that doesn't feel like just 12 hours ago now that Does we're it? doing no. that after the long night. No, but um, look, I think largely, yes, unless there are further revelations, certainly talking to some opposition leaders after his statement and his lengthy Q&A in the Dáil last night, they, they kind of thought um, that there isn't a huge amount more to it unless there are further revelations about uh, other leaked documents um, or, or, or uh, other actions by uh, the Tornister when, when he was Taoiseach. Uh, he did give quite a lengthy account of himself. Some of it he was tripping over and there was quite a robust questioning from the likes of Pierce Doherty and Aon O'Riordan in the doll. I think he did get caught out a couple of times once by Pater Tabin from Ain2 when he was asked if he ever leaked anything controversial or anything confidential rather uh, from the cabinet table separately and there was kind of five seconds of awkward silence before he said uh, oh, oh, no, no, nothing of this kind anyway mm. and kind of raised a few more eyebrows but I think uh, overall unless there is a little bit more to come out of it he will survive it with the backing of Fianna Fáil and the Green Party who put out a statement last night effectively saying they accept his version of events and let's move on. They were holding their nose, but they still brought out the statement. All right, Sean, thank you very much for that. Sean Defoe, political correspondent. Just wanted to catch up on the national issue with Sean. But the, the position in the United States is it's now 4 a.m. or just gone 4 a.m. there. And the New York Times on its uh, poll tracker is saying it's 227 to 213 in favour of Biden in terms of electoral college votes. And Fox News, which they say would be a Trumpian station, shall we say. But Fox News, 238 to 213 
for Biden and the Associated Press, if I just refresh their tracker, is giving it also 238 to 213 in favour of Biden. But a lot more counting still to go. They've both been speaking this morning. Uh, Joe Biden was out first. Your patience is commendable. We knew this was going to go wrong, but who knew we're going to go into maybe tomorrow morning, maybe even longer. But look, we feel good about where we are. We really do. I'm here to tell you tonight, we believe we're on track to win this election. And it ain't over till every vote is counted. Every ballot is counted. But we're feeling good. We're feeling good about where we are. And folks, you heard me say it before. Every time I walk out of my grandpa's house up in Scranton, he'd yell, Joey, keep the faith. And my grandma, when she was alive, he yelled, no, Joey, spread it. Keep the faith, guys. We're going to win this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your patience is great. That's Joe Biden speaking. I think it was around about 6 o'clock or shortly after 6 o'clock this morning, our time with uh, Trump. It was around about quarter past 7 our time. And the unusual thing about Donald Trump is this has never been done before. He is having his rally or his speechifying or whatever you care to call it in the White House, which has never been done before by an incumbent president standing for re-election. There was a big bells and whistles introduction of Donald Trump, as I said, just about quarter past seven hour time this morning. fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list. Okay? It's, it's a very sad it's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this, and we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won. So I just want to thank you. And I want to you, you have to just uh, look at the gall of the man uh, using the White House, which he's not, well, it's never been done before. I don't say he can't do it to speak like that. Look, it's on. It's still going on. A lot of voting has stopped for the night, but if we do get any more, uh, we will certainly bring you up to speed with it, and we'll try and catch up with someone on the far side of the pond before 12 o'clock today to bring us clear into a slightly clearer picture of where this might end, although it won't end for days. If it ends at all, it could end up in, in the courts, probably will end up 
in the courts. 1857-15996, as I say, we will come back to it. Now, there's a story of a rescue in Castletown Bear. Uh, Cork Bio are reporting that the Castletown Bear lifeboat helped a fisherman who had become seriously ill aboard a trawler. It's also in the radio news this morning. Uh, it happened two miles off the mizzen head. Uh, Paul Stevens is the operations manager with the Castletown Bear RNLI. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Uh, what happened? Uh, put quite simply, I suppose they were about quarter to 11 last night. The uh, Valencia uh, Rescue Coordination Centre, they tasked Castletown Bear Lifeboat with, as you say, a report of, a, uh, of an ill fisherman on board a, a locally registered fishing boat two miles south of Mizzen. Uh, our lifeboat was launched under Coxon Dean Hegarty at, uh, within about six or seven minutes and proceeded down to the location and actually rendezvoused with the fishing boat just, just off Sheep's Head because obviously the fishing boat was coming towards Castletown. And uh, the weather conditions on scene weren't great. You know, there was a three-metre swell and there was a 25-knot wind. So the two attempts were made to try and transfer the casualty from the... The, uh, the fishing boat to the lifeboat, but they were unsuccessful. So the next course of action then was to steam into Castletown in, just inside the harbour's mouth mm. there here, and the casualty then was successfully transferred onto the lifeboat. Meanwhile, the Shannon Base uh, Rescue Coast Guard helicopter, um, 115, was also tasked, and then they did uh, they, they dropped a winchman and lifted the casualty from the from the lifeboat after Dick and the casualty was taken to Cork University Hospital. Risky night? Yeah, not, not the worst night, but, but yeah, uh, thankfully, look, crew are very well trained, uh, they know what they're doing and the um, they do a lot of work with the Coast Guard helicopter, so it, it all went very smoothly. Oh, good, 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 to, good to hear that and we hope that the, that the man involved uh, makes a speedy recovery. Thank you for that and thank you for your service. That's Paul Stevens, the Castletown Bear, uh, RNLI, their operations manager, 1850-715-996. You know, you love it when a plan comes together. You really do. And a couple of months ago when we spoke with Patrick and Adrian Walsh, when I went down to talk to them, in the filthy, stinking bus in which they were trying to eke out an existence. You wouldn't call it living uh, down there near Blarney. I just thought, we have to do something for these people. We have to help these people. And a massive effort, a huge community kind of mehel came together, led by people like great people like Kate Durrant um, and, and others. And, and we've got them a place. They've got a place. And, and they're, they moved in yesterday into their new luxury mobile home which came from the Blanny Castle people um, and Fiona went down to see them we'll talk to her next The Cork Diary On Cork's 96 FM Avendu, Mokrina Firma are hosting a virtual speed dating night on Friday the 13th of November It's open to anyone members and non-members aged between 18 and 35 and looking to find love Kicking off on Zoom at 8pm the event is all in aid of the Irish Heart Foundation To register and for more info email avendumokra at gmail.com or check out Avendu do Makra on all socials. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email Cork Diary at 96fm.ie. Cork's 96fm. So back a couple of months ago, I went down to visit Patrick and Adrian, and I saw the bus 
uh, and the state of it. And it was in res- relatively good weather on a very pleasant late summer or early autumn day. But I just knew that they had to get sorted before the winter because they'd just been affected by yet another flood and Adrian had a fall in the river and because he gets blackouts because of his head injury and they were desperately worried and two lads who love the bones of each other you can see it just by being around them but they needed help and they were caught up in this and caught up in that and there was this problem and that problem and a great group of people led by the likes of Kate Durant and uh, their social worker from Headway and many many more people came together to get them this beautiful uh, luxury mobile home and they moved in there yesterday they got craned onto the site and the site has been uh, attached to power for them and sanitation and proper water and they've even levelled it off for them so they've now got a home with electricity and drainage and all the things you and I have come to take for granted and uh, as Fiona was down with them yesterday one thing they were doing was looking forward to a proper home for Christmas First Christmas in four years where you actually have somewhere to call home? Yes. Yeah. I cooked the turkey and the small Christmas tree for over in the corner. <laughs> Were you able to celebrate Christmas on the bus? No. no. But the Matuna Dollar being a roast chicken. Yeah. Or a bit of turkey you know, after the dinner. That's what we was, you know. And the whole rock's not this year. When we get the cook, we're going. <laughs> I'm delighted. I'm delighted to perform my dad as well. It's improper home, like. That's versus... Oh, Jesus. Dream come true. Yeah, that's what this is. Dream come true. It's comfortable, like. The bus is wrecked. Yeah, you so. could see the day where you'd be living in somewhere like this that's comfortable. No, not, not, not for a while, Jesus, no. What's the first thing you're going to do now when you move in, Adrian? Oh, a, a big munch and then into the bed. Chill out. Delighted for you. We want to survive the winter with the cold. I want to thank you all very much for, for helping us out. Thank you very much. The major dreams come true. Yeah, thank you. Here we are. Here's the house. What, how many months later? I suppose it took us five months to get to this stage, but thanks to the kindness of Blarney Castle Estate and everybody who contributed to the GoFundMe. Loads of people said offers of help and offers of housing and people put down hardcore and people laid pumps and the kindness of strangers has just been incredible. And is there anything else that you need? Yes. Yes, we're, we're not quite finished. Um, it's a beautiful house, but we're still short a few connections. There's, we need to, to do a little bit of plumbing. And as anybody knows, a little bit of plumbing is never a little bit of money. Um, we need to put down a little bit of hardcore outside so it doesn't get destroyed because they're on a uh, river site. Um, we just need to do... i just like to really see it out, to leave it as it should be. And then we can all happily leave them close the door and go off knowing that they're going to have as good a Christmas as the rest of us. And if anybody does want to help, what can you do? There's a GoFundMe. It's a home for Patrick and Adrian Walsh, so they'll find it on that. Um, so if anybody has any spare change, I can assure them that every single penny will go to the to the use of keep making sure these two gentlemen who spent four years sleeping in a bus uh, sleep in their own beds safely and warmly as they deserve. Now we need to take this as a big, big win for everybody involved. Fiona, you put up a lovely 
video of a from this to this uh, where you filmed the bus and filmed the mobile home and spoke to the two lads. That's on the opinion line Twitter at the moment. You, I, I think you can't help but be impressed by them, can you? Good morning to you. Yeah, PJ. I mean, yesterday was the first time that I visited them. And when I went out to the site and saw that bus, I mean, I was just thinking to myself, if you had gone into that site and had seen that bus there, you'd have walked straight past it. I would have just thought, like, you know, that was just some old bus that had been left lying there for years. And it was only when Patrick opened the door of the bus and you realised that there's been two grown men living inside there for the last four years. It's been a horrendous situation for One them. One with a chronic illness. Yes, and um, like Patrick was telling me, he has angina and Adrian has uh, the brain injury. Um, so, you know, just for anybody, even if you had been in the best of your health, it would have been um, uh, a risky place to live in this in this weather. And I mean, I woke up this morning and saw frost everywhere and I thought, God, if they had to stay in that bus another winter, I don't think that they would have come out well the other side. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, like even yesterday, you'd see it in the video, I asked, them where they have slept for the last four years and it's I mean where they have slept it's like it's literally like a bench with um, some cushions on it it's not even the width of a single bed and the two of them have been sleeping there and so last night when they moved into the mobile home that was the first time in four years that not only did they have their own bed but they actually had their own bedroom father and son you know and um the, the delight in their faces when I arrived yesterday, Adrian was just beaming because he was so delighted that they were after getting a, a home that's comfortable and that, that there is space in it as well, both for him and his father. He said he was delighted for his father as well, who's had to endure these conditions for the last four years. And um, now yesterday when I called, they were just in the process of moving in. The mobile home was taken onto the site on Monday yeah. and they spent the night there last night, but they're still waiting to get some, um, there are still some issues that, they're, that they need. They, they still need to get the electricity sorted out and the, some of the plumbing. Um, but, you know, as Kate Duran said in the, in the clip there, they are working on it and they're hoping to have that resolved over the coming days. The, and, these are tiny things compared to where we were six, seven, eight weeks ago. Yes, yes. I mean, like things like running water. As Patrick said, you know, they didn't have a toilet on the bus, but they were going out to the shed. They didn't have running water to have showers. They didn't have heating. Now, on the bus, they had a little one of those superstar heaters, um, and that's been kind of running all the time. Um, they didn't have, they had like an old car that they had hooked up to the bus, and that was um, operating as the generator to get electricity. So they'll actually have electricity now on uh, the mobile home. And um, even things like Christmas, um, you know, I asked him, this will be the first year that they will have had Christmas in their home for the mm. last four years. He said that, um, like, they do have, he has a son and um, his wife, and they've been um, bringing them a Christmas dinner um every year but you know insofar as you know decorations and a Christmas tree and making the place feel festive that just hasn't happened and mm. they haven't been able to make their own Christmas dinner and Patrick um, I heard yesterday actually really enjoyed cooking so he's really looking forward this year to being able to put a turkey into the Fantastic. oven turn it on and cook it and sit down at a table with his son and eat a Christmas dinner like the way most normal families would and to have a little Christmas tree put up and some decorations and to make it feel homely and um, you know they, they were so grateful to the people who've helped out um, you know Kate Durant and there was the Blarney Castle and William O'Brien and 
many other companies that came on board and um, loads of people donated on the GoFundMe page and this wouldn't have happened without them. And both Patrick and Adrian said yesterday that they were so grateful and they expressed huge thanks to people for giving them this home and um, you know the discomfort in their lives that yeah. that anybody, regardless of what their past is or how they became, how they got into this situation, nobody deserves to live like yeah. that. People, certainly not people stepped years. in quietly and cleared some debt as well and all of that mm. was done. And it's just the generosity, the community spirit that has come together for them is, is marvellous. It's mar- And like I said to you, and I think you know now, they're, they're just two lovely lads. Yeah, two lovely yeah. people, you know. They're just... Then they love the bones of each other and they just want to get on with themselves. Get on with their lives. And like Patrick, I, I was quite shocked when I heard he's only 63, 64. Yeah. He looks like a man that's just been beaten down by life. And, you know, he's still, you know, like I was talking to him yesterday and he still tries to put a smile on his face and he still tries to see the good in things. And, you know, Adrian, is uh, he's a jolly old character, like, you know. And, um, you know, so it's great that they have that and to have their own space as well. I mean, like, in a point... Um, environment with one other person for that length of time. I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's tough going for anyone. You know, so um, at least now they have their own separate bedrooms. They have a little living area. They have a kitchen. Hmm. Um, you know, and they have heat, and it's a home. Yeah. yeah. All right, Fiona. Listen, thank you very much for that, uh, and uh, our, our best wishes. Thanks, Fiona Corcoran. Our best wishes to Patrick and Adrian as they settle into their new home with seven weeks to Christmas, seven weeks Friday, they'll have a proper Christmas in what the best home they've had for many a long day. Finn says, well done to everyone that achieved this fabulous result. We spoke about this a while back and I asked the question of why it took people from the community to accommodate the lads. Not one elected representative put their head over the parapet to fight this cause. It's only one example of how people over politics is rare in this country. Houses are vacant everywhere and bureaucracy prevents prosperity for normal people in need. Can't wait for the next election campaign. A hearty welcome awaits the cowards. Yeah, Finn, we did have one or two local representatives picked up the phone and said, look, if there's paperwork or if there's red tape or confusion, we can help with that. And we did we did have a few people try to help because there was a confusion at the start of it all as to which jurisdiction they were in. And then we got that sorted. And then there was a problem with some debt that Adrian had run up years ago, and that got sorted. So everything that needed to be sorted was sorted. And now they've got their their place. And uh, we, here on the Opinion Line, are very proud and privileged and happy to have played just a small little part. 1850-715-996. The Cork's 96FM Music Panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. This is Quartz Gold Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696. On Quartz 96 FM. Lots of people really, really happy for the um, for the Walshes, for the two lads, and what's been done 
for them. Uh, Councillor Kieran McCarthy, I mentioned to in response to Finn that some public reps did pick up the phone and did offer to do everything they could. One of them was Councillor Kieran McCarthy. He just texted again to say hi PJ Fab News on the Walsh story congrats to the 96FM team as well for pushing it it's important the Walsh's social workers liaise with the city council in the short and medium term now to lobby for a social housing apartment and to use the choice based letting system it's important the wider goal isn't forgotten about which is a, a worthy point D says that's a long long time 1,461 days stuck in a bus so happy for Patrick and Adrian everyone deserves a home and their own address well done to all and to the RNLI as well for the rescue last night we've such a good community well done at 6 fm and all the best to the rest who succeeded in making this happen. Finbar O'Neill's limited sand and gravel in Ballincollig were in touch we're just listening to the story on the radio the O'Neills would like to help. They'd be happy to send out anyone to see what is needed. I think Kate was referring to some hardcore and stuff that might be needed just to give a bit of drainage and make sure the river won't ruin any, everything when it comes into flood in the winter time. So we, we will put them in touch off the air if, with Kate. They, they're offering to help out with whatever's needed. 1850-715-996. Coming up after 10, I want you to think about it. The scams that are going on around our county and around our city. Scams particularly visited on innocent elderly people who, with the best will in the world, they don't think with our level of scepticism or our level of cynicism. They they trust, and they trust maybe a bit too easily sometimes. And I'm thinking of the case that was before the courts yesterday where two brothers... Uh, Thomas and Patrick O'Driscoll from Rathkeel in County Limerick were jailed for two years. This was at Cork Circuit Criminal Court for a, hor- a horrible fraud uh, on a woman in her 70s. Uh, after the court, after the court case, uh, Superintendent Ronan Kennelly uh, spoke to the media. This was a very callous and heinous crime that was committed upon an elderly resident out in the Bantry area. The conviction today is vindication of her efforts to have Angard Shikhan investigate the, this type of offence. And I would appeal to anybody in the public that has been subject to similar type incidents to come forward and we will investigate the same. Uh, I would also ask the people in the public to be aware of cold callers and bogus callers. And if they have any difficulty with them, don't engage with these people. But to ring the Gardaí and we will check out their bona fides. And we will come back to that story after the news. We'll also be talking to Liam Brady, a private investigator. We've had him on the show before about some of the things that gougers, as, as an old Garda word, gougers to be up to as regards elderly people. And they specifically target the elderly. They specifically target the vulnerable. They specifically case locations and watch people so they know who be vulnerable and they know who they would be able to take in with their nasty little scams. We'll come back to that after 10. There's a lot going on and it's important that people know about it. Yesterday I was talking to Chloe about this particular TikTok. So anyway, I was walking downstairs of the Most Story Car Park and I could see a group of lads. They were all definitely school students. Um, I know that for a fact. Then one of them turns around to the other two lads and was like, oh, will we rape Chloe? Just as clear as that. Now, I ignored it, walked on, but when I was walking back, they were gone. 
Now, I was talking to Chloe about that and she said, look, she said they may only have been joking, but at the same time, it's not something you should be saying. They shouldn't be saying it. She also felt a bit intimidated. She was watching herself, keeping an eye out behind her as she walked around doing a bit of shopping. And as she walked back to her car, uh, she was nervous that they might still be there. They were gone. And then the first thought that entered her head was, where are they gone? So it it, it, it ruined her day. It, it made her feel very nervous, very intimidated. And Zoe, being a very confident young person, that feeling is it's, it's alien to her. So we talked about that yesterday on the programme. And, and I did kind of bring up the, the, the idea that, look, maybe there was no harm intended. Maybe there was no harm intended at all. And they knew her from TikTok and, and they were just slagging. But of course, it's out of, the, it's out of order. It shouldn't be done. Shouldn't it shouldn't happen? She, I was kind of, was she really in any danger? And she, but well, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. But it shouldn't happen anyway, which is absolutely valid. Mike, I got in touch with us after hearing that conversation. Mike, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. What were your thoughts on it? Um, pretty rough, really. I mean, like, I'm mean, like, I know, as you said, like, you, they probably didn't know any better, and they might have just been joking around. But like, we're all human. We all have feelings, and whether we're kind of able to deal with them on a certain level or aware of them is the kind of bigger thing. Like, yeah. like you do kind of say things to fit in with the boys growing up and realistically, you shouldn't have to fit in with the boys. You should be accepted for who you are with the boys and they might have said it being joking but like as I said, like people do take things on board different ways and as you said, it affected her and it, I can understand how it would play on somebody's mind all day. Well, she made the point that, that had she been somebody who had suffered a rape or a sexual assault previously in their life, it could have triggered all sorts of horrible memories and, and and done all sorts of untold psychological damage in that moment. Absolutely. Because you don't know you don't know what's happening in somebody's personal life. You only see what's on the surface. You don't know what's going on behind those doors. Yeah. So you have you do have to be kind of take be just be nice and take people's just be nice for the sake of being nice. Manners don't cost a thing. Yeah. Slagging and piss taking is a done thing. Everybody does it. But, says you, there's a big but. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, to a certain extent, I'm like, you know, I'm like, personally, I'm like, I've been slagged a lot growing up and take, and I, for me, I took things on board and internalised them and that, that led to me doing, to unhealthy coping mechanisms that took me a long time to unlearn, so to speak. And it's just, it, it can have an awful, awful effect on your mentality if you don't know any better? What? What? Did, did, right, you had you had experiences yourselves, yeah, yourself. Yeah, so like it wasn't anything bad, but it was like it was kind of maybe might have been the burnt of a few jokes growing up and stuff like that, and it was just kind of being part of the gang. But like you, you do make jokes to try and f- fit in, and yeah, it's, you shouldn't have to. You, you say things that go against in. your own nature just to try to be one of the lads. Exactly, yeah, and that has it. Like it, it can have over time. It can lead to because. How you, how your internal kind of voice, how you speak to yourself and about yourself, has a massive play. I used to think of like, what was, what's wrong with me? Why am I dying? Is outgoing and why am I dying? Why isn't? Why can't I do this? And it played onto me, and it led to, as I said, bad, bad coping mechanisms and bad thoughts, and took me a long time to. Right. Took a couple of days. Go off the rails a bit, did you? I did, yeah. I kind of lent a bit heavy onto onto drinking substances, and yeah. it wasn't it. it few bad nights and led to insomnia and depression and it just wasn't very nice and it took me a long time to get over and yeah. 
and was it down to kind of keeping a certain kind of company or trying to keep up with a certain image in your teens, was it? I suppose it kind of would have been, yeah, just trying to be, trying to man up, I suppose. Just trying to be 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 a, be a male because I didn't know the you got especially kind of like in Ireland we've got this kind of keep everything keep your feelings to yourself and just carry on with life and you don't have to just man up and carry on and suck mm. it up and you don't have to suck it up like you can just learn how to deal with your feelings in a better more sustainable way like yeah. accepting you, that you have them and kind of carrying on. When you look back now, you you as a teenager you found yourself saying and doing things that. At the time, you possibly even thought you shouldn't be doing, but you did anyway. Yeah, there was definitely that little voice in my head, like, oh, probably don't, don't feel particularly comfortable saying these things or making these jokes. And it's kind of that it was, I just kind of put that voice aside, being like, ah, that's, that's nothing, it's fine. And then suddenly kind of led down the road to bad thoughts and mm. bad nights. <laughs> and did you have to unlearn those habits then when you got older? I did, I suppose. It was it was more I had to change how I how I spoke to myself and how I kind of how I took things on board and um yeah, like mainly how I just spoke to myself really, like yeah. and like and be a bit more kind of um understanding of other of what other people's situations are and just kinda of be nice to myself and then they could be nice to others and Yeah. Does that kind of thinking, say, in, in your teenage years, do you think that if it's not if it's not quelled for want of a better word that it can affect relationships say? oh absolutely because you, you start you get uh, the dark voices are there and it can lead to kind of other uncertainties and un- self esteem issues and things because you're, you're compromising your own kind of standards mm. and your will to fit in and do this and do, do other things and be part of different groups but really the, the, the learned behaviour is not the behaviour that which comes natural to you or shouldn't be the behaviour that comes natural yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's probably lots of young lads, uh, Mike, who are in their late teens now and they're going around hanging around. And it's a time, I remember it myself, it's a time of your life when you thr- you, you you yearn to be accepted. You yearn for for acceptance and to be to be one of the boys. Absolutely, you do, and because that's all we want to do. We just want we are social creatures, and we just do want to be accepted by the people in our lives. And we will do things that probably go against the grain of our kind of our own mm. being to fit in and stuff. And if you were to see your own seventeen-year-old self sitting across from you, what would you say? Oh, so many things. <laughs> You've got about one minute. <laughs> um, honestly, I'd be like, don't be afraid to be yourself. I'm like. If you don't never be afraid to be yourself, the real people and the people that will really love you and accept you will always find you, no matter how. Like by being yourself, you're not compromising yourself. People, you just attract to the right people that need to be in your life that will support you and carry on and just accept you for who you are. And like you are, you are like you're you, and always be you. And if it feels wrong, it is wrong. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. All right, listen, you know what? If we were all 17 and had that wisdom on our shoulders, none of us would have ever got into any kind of trouble. But at least, you know, you get out of it afterwards, and that's what's important. Mike, thanks very much. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. I'm just looking at the state of Wisconsin. It's what time is it now? It's five o'clock in the morning in the United States of America, and the state of Wisconsin is very much in play. It has 10 
electoral college votes, which means it's not to be sniffed at. At the moment, at the moment, Joe Biden is ahead of Donald Trump by, like, Biden's on 1,583,000 odd votes and Trump is on 1,575,000. So in a voter, in a... An electorate of about three million or something, a valid poll of three something million, you've got you've got eight thousand between them. Like it's it's crazy tight. Crazy tight in Wisconsin. At the moment, in terms of declared electoral college seats, it's two hundred and thirty-eight to Joe Biden, two hundred and thirteen to Donald Trump. But if either man there wins Wisconsin, that goes very much into play. It would give Biden two forty-eight. Our would give Trump 223 and lots of other states to come into play but Wisconsin very much very much uh, in play now at the moment in that election if we get any more uh, between now and 12 we'll certainly bring it to you 185715996 text to whatsapp 083 the email opinion at 96fm.ie let's go back to that crime that came before the Circuit Criminal Court yesterday where Thomas and Patrick O'Driscoll, two brothers from Rathkeel County, Limerick, they pleaded guilty to the crime of deception uh, in Goline in West Cork back in 2018. And remind us again what they did. They followed a woman to her home in a remote location and they filled her sitting room with chainsaws power washers, generators and knives. This was after they got talking to her. They duped her, they reeled her in, they filled her house with all this stuff that she didn't want and didn't ask them for and then they made her write six checks totaling €25,000. By the time the guards caught them, they cashed two of them. Their, Their legal team was looking for a suspended sentence yesterday at Cork Circuit Criminal Court, but Judge Sean O'Donovan jailed them for two years. Now, they'll probably be out in 18 months, but they were jailed for two years yesterday at Cork Circuit Criminal Court for a horrible scam on an elderly person, described by Superintendent Ronan Kennelly. This was a very callous and heinous crime that was committed upon an elderly resident out in the Bantry area. The conviction today is vindication of her efforts to have Angard Shikhan investigate the, this type of offence. And I would appeal to anybody in the public that has been subject to similar type incidents to come forward and we will investigate the same. Uh, I would also ask the people in the public to be aware of cold callers and bogus callers. And if they have any difficulty with them, don't engage with these people. But to ring the Gardaí and we will check out their bona fides and we will treat everybody as a victim coming forward. Nobody has anything to be afraid of? No, absolutely not. It's just that an awareness out there in the community and the public to keep an eye on on your neighbours and particularly those elderly residents people, uh, particularly in the winter hours and particularly during the COVID-19 lockdown. And we would appeal that if any cold callers or bogus Uh, people come forward that they should be reported. Genuine tradesmen and tradespeople have nothing to worry about and they they welcome the Gardaí checking them out.
before we even start this conversation, if you're thinking of saying, ah, but sure, what kind of an idiot is cut out like that? Don't even breathe in to say it. Because they are. Because that is how these fellas work. They can zero in very quickly. A conversation in a corner shop, an innocent conversation over the price of ham in a corner shop, can inadvertently give them enough information to target you and to do to you what they did to that poor old woman down there in West Cork. Liam Brady is a private investigator. We've talked to him before on the opinion line and uh, you've been across a few of these scams, Liam. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yes, um, firstly, I'd love to congratulate the uh, Gardaí on their success yesterday and may they, you know, have this success with many, many more because... Uh, and the bravery of that lady, that victim. And that's exactly what is required. A lot of that activity, that action is missing because people are terrified to come forward uh, because of the broadness of of this. The scale of this mm. uh, is quite large. And travelling gangs, as we, you know, we refer to them, are active on a daily basis. And essentially, uh, anyone that calls to any property or any house uninvited or unexpected uh, is a flag, is an absolute sign that attention, special attention must be paid. And I would absolutely ask people to form community watch systems. They're very, very effective around the country. If you see a suspicious vehicle, if you see uh, anybody, anybody of suspicious, with suspicious activity in an area, do not be afraid to try to, to even discreetly take a photograph with your phone. Learn to use your phone, your photo, your camera on your phone to be able to take a photograph or video. It's better putting your phone, switching it to a video, because you can take a screenshot of it, and this will give the guardy any help or any intelligence whatsoever because it's an ongoing <clears throat> this has gone on for god knows how many years decades but it's got to a stage now with the roads that we have the highways that we have um the motorway system we have that anybody can be anywhere within two to three hours and back home again it's important um, also to stress, isn't it, Liam, that, and I said this when I was bringing you in, that if you're thinking, ah, sure, it's only a poor old Egypt would be caught like that, that's the no, trap into which they want you to fall. It, it is, but uh, trust me, the most intelligent people, the most, uh, anyone will be caught. It's just simply anybody can be caught. Uh, for example, everything from... I mean, this is going into a different part of the conversation. We won't get in there now. It's, it's a little thing from cattle rustling to stealing machinery. For example, uh, one of the big problems we have now, and um, uh, something I'm very much involved in, is a drone. The use of drones. Drones are used for surveillance yeah. and illegal surveillance. In fact. Uh, what they're used for now is they can fly up to, believe it or not, seven, seven and a half kilometres from a spot completely autonomously and they will uh, circle around uh, farmyards, circle around areas where heavy machinery will be 
um, whether there's a pick up the fact that how many parked cars are there and then w- w- over a period of a week or two they can establish the comings and going yeah. and then hop down, steal the trailers uh, steal heavy machinery and so on. Now that's the higher end of the gangs but the case of uh, that were basically affixed to the minister in this case yesterday uh, is, is, is uh, I suppose a little unusual that they actually convinced this lady um, somehow to put this machinery into her property yeah. um, I'm you know extra suspicious as to why they would do something like that is it that they want to hide stolen goods and at the same time they're, they're actually getting paid for how do you convince an elderly lady to buy generators mm-hmm. chainsaws and so on she but, said I believe and I, in, in the some of the court copy that I read she said that one of them in particular was very charming and very convincing and it was only when the stuff was inside in her room that she realised something wasn't right here Absolutely, and they'll speak any religion you want, they'll speak. And they dress well. This is a professional. This is not uh, an ad hoc thing. This is not where the guy gets up in the morning and says, hey, what am I going to do today with my buddies? Am I going to get in my uh, car, um, blacked out windows, my van, my whatever, and go up the road and hope for the best? This is all organised with information and intelligence that they will have gathered in an area. And they will do everything from trying to, for example, at the minute, we're having an issue where they're stealing dogs, um, taking dogs. They also take whatever uh, the product may be and they will place these into either vans, camper vans, place these goods into containers and export them to the UK and other areas of Europe. Where, like furniture, for example, there's the story where the guy knocks on the door, he goes in, uh, an elderly lady there has all this very valuable furniture, and he she knows that she has uh, a piano there that's lying there uh, for years. The guy will turn around and say, listen, I'll give you four grand for that piano. It's beautiful. And all of a sudden she thinks it's a tick because she knows the piano is worthless. And then he'll, he'll already have copped on that her chest of drawers is worth 50 grand or 40 grand or 30 grand. Mm. And he'll say, look, and I'll give you four grand for that. And she thinks, well, he must know what he's after. And off he goes with all this expensive furniture. Um, the same with, with any artifacts. There are specialists in the field of, uh, in the traveling gangs for getting, you know, concentrating on artifacts. Mm. Um, uh, antiquities, antiquities. Fellas so, coming to the door looking to fix a roof or a chimney or a driveway. Big problem. Or, yeah. Big problem. Sir Joe Duffy is nearly worn out with us. What happens is here, uh, they, 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 the, the first of the scams is that they drive looking for areas where tar macadam has been laid properly um, with by the authorities or by people engaged, contractors engaged by the authorities. And all of a sudden, Several people in that area, well, they know everybody will see, of course, the tarmac had them working on. And the next thing, this well-dressed character will arrive at your door, driving a nice car, and you'll say, look, we're up, the contractor's up the road here. Our job here is uh, finished, and we're left with an awful lot of tarmac had them. What we'd like to do now is do your driveway. We'll give you a really good price, because otherwise it's all going to be scrapped and dumped. And people are delighted, thinking they're getting a bargain, they're getting a deal. 
and the next thing, uh, the uh, truck would come along, they could dump a load, like turn around and tell you that's 10 grand, 20 grand, uh, 7 grand. They give you the money. Uh, you, They ask for the money. They get yeah. the money up front. They come along and they'll dump some stuff and they're gone. It's exactly the same. Of course, you've, everybody is very familiar with the roofing issue where they will say that, ma'am, we're just finished the roof up the road here and we've, we're scanning the area. We notice that the roof tiles on your roof are damaged. They may come down in the next storm. And needless to say, the elderly person doesn't want to be in the middle of the winter with water poured into the roof. So up they go. And while they're up there, they'll do more damage. And yeah. indeed, in some cases, pour water through the attic. Um, and then they can go on into the, 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 the how much this is going to cost, of course, to repair it. It's gone now from 500 quid up to five grand. Yeah. And she'll have to be, in a lot of cases, brought to the ATM, brought to the bank, he or she, the person, and uh, they'll withdraw the money and that's the last they'll see of them. And this is short of, I suppose, epidemic, if you want to, you know, people have to get together in their communities. And I am shocked when I hear that, uh, and every day you'll hear this, I'm shocked when I hear that an elderly lady living out somewhere in Kildare, somewhere in Cork, somewhere in Kerry, has just been scammed for the likes of this amount of money. First of all, is there nobody keeping an eye on them? Is there no relatives there? Is there nobody there that has left a note at her phone to say, if anybody appears along, if anybody can appear along, and uh, all of a sudden, um, you know, uh, uh, bring the card give the description and yeah. don't be afraid to take a picture out of your window don't put yourself in any danger I'm not saying that what yeah. I am saying is that uh, you know under all circumstances unless you're expecting somebody to your home and unless you're expecting a member of your family or a member of your family has uh, informed you that they're maybe arriving uh Sometimes people send them, send the electrician around, mom, dad, to look at something. Make sure that that's all fact and that yeah. it's checked out. Because what what they do and the equipment that's there available to them, uh, you can go into Aldi or Little uh, and buy grinders, hand grinders that will open locks on gates, even cut down gates, uh, drills now that will drill through locks. Yeah. And of course, everybody is well aware, uh, which is an absolute uh, shame. It's monstrous. They use small children that will go through windows. Yeah. And they drop the kids in. Same thing they used to do with the clothes banks. They drop the kids, uh, the children in to go and try and open a door to try and get the inside uh, back locks in the back door open or open windows. And in fact, there's cases where the child has been dropped in and can't get out um, because the doors, they just can't open the door. So it's 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 a quite a serious, mm. uh, very, very serious crime. Mm. It's, it's, it's escalating. Um, it doesn't matter what anybody will tell you, it's escalating. Yeah. And you have to say it how it is. There's no yeah. point in dilly-dallying we, 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 over, over Over the years on the programme, uh, Liam, we've come up... Yes against quite a number and we're coming into a particularly dangerous time of the year now 
in, in the run-up to Christmas when charities have had a very, very rough year because of coronavirus, you could see lots of scams. Oh, I'm selling calendars for, for, for doggies or I'm doing this for, for, for hungry children and, and looking for 20 quid at the door and it's going straight in his arse pocket. Yeah, never, ever, ever. It's the golden rule. Nobody gets into your house or you open the door to it unless they have made an appointment with a phone number that's identifiable on their phone. Somebody that wants to see a person in the house has to have a reason. It's either a maintenance reason from a, a, a contractor who's licensed by, for example, Recce uh, is an organisation that covers electricians, mm. the same for plumbers and so on. And if, you're, if you call a plumber and, or you need a plumber or a member of your family have called a, a plumber to come to your house, you, you have to have a, a time and a date for that to happen. And that's fine. And they can identify themselves by either a van that's written up properly, signed up properly, but they're expected. And you open the door and it is always very important to have the proper alarm system. And CCTV is not expensive. It is not expensive anymore. The more CCTV we have in the country at houses prominently looking straight out from your front door, from your back door. Yeah. It's it's three, four, five hundred quid you can get those. Do, do you have to back. get a professional to install that or can you, you do, just... yeah. yeah. Well funny enough you can buy kits and install them yourself. Yeah. There's no law against that that I know of with the PSA. But there is a situation where if you can afford it, get definitely get your licensed uh local the local firm. Keep keep your any of your alarm systems and any of your installations, um, keep them with local people. Don't don't you know go to somebody way outside your county. Mm. Keep, keep your your security business close to your chest. Yeah. But the main thing is that they have to be licensed or registered unless you're going to put up a camera yourself. Now, it's not expensive. It it's ring these people, they understand and it's good for them to be doing business in an area. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not, the, the registered, proper registered PSA installers are not going One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. going to rip anyone off because they would have to answer yeah. to the PSA and yeah. they have to be licensed. But it, it's the more cameras, if somebody arrives at a house, travelling gangs arrive at a property and they see a camera in their face, not something that's 20 foot high in a house hidden in the corner. You put it eight, a camera shouldn't be any higher than eight or nine foot high so that you're walk, they're walking straight into it. If they try to rip the camera, do whatever, it's too late. The information has been photographed, videoed, and is now on a hard disk and is now in the cloud. And they're caught. And it's the more CCTV that can be got, the better. Particularly now that it's not that expensive. And the cameras are absolutely amazing. They, they, they work at night as the same as they do in the daytime. Um, also, I would anybody with an ex- expensive machinery or garden machinery that, uh, for example, um, let's say you're, you know, you have expensive tractors or trailers or even trailers that are you're gonna you're after going out and spending four or five grand on the trailer, and all that has to happen is it gets hitched up and it's pulled away. Yeah, that's a huge problem here. All you have to do is get onto a, a GPS company, a tracking. GPS tracking company, and for a minimal fee every year, that tracker, in fact, that tracker can will instantly tell you where. Yeah. Uh, they can try and jam the trackers nowadays, but they're now made that they're unjammable. Mm. Uh, they used to buy jammers off the yeah. internet for $40. That day is gone, Good. more or less. Yeah. You buy the proper jammers with the j- proper tracking company. Yeah. So it's vital to understand that you don't only fight this with, as I said, this is a crime that's going to keep going every day, every day. So help fight it. Help a community gets together yeah. and they can get a fund together to put even cameras in certain streets. Yeah. Now, there's GPR, GDPR issues. Yes, but you'll get around those yeah. issues. Everyone is in favour of... Security. You know, security. Question security I see in from Tom here, Liam. Uh, if you put a camera outside your door, uh, is yes. it? Do you have to be careful where you focus it? If it's Look, focusing on neighbours on left and right, is that a problem? Yeah, the way to deal with that is like if you're fitting cameras, you're assisting and helping the neighbour as well. Now, if you've got a neighbour that puts up an objection to you putting the camera up, invite them into the house, let them see that the camera is only pointing on their own property. And and don't be do not be afraid of anything um, or anybody or any intimidation about putting the camera up. And do you know what? Every area has uh, a uh, crime prevention guard who's an expert in this, absolute expert, and his advice can be vital. And to have the involvement of of the crime prevention officer. Um, uh, you know, come visit, show them the reasons why. If there's neighbours that are going to complain, uh, once they know that the cameras aren't looking at them or looking in their back garden or looking in their front garden, yeah. fine. But the, uh, I would, you know, I would 
it would be an advantage to, to neighbours. To, to, in fact, I, we have situations where we've advised a group of people in areas, in enclosed areas where there's four or five houses, that they all chip in together yeah. and put up a system that's completely... And you can get systems out. You just monitor yeah. on your phone now. You can. You, oh, no, not only on your phone. You can have, you can have a system that the minute that there's uh, motion detection uh, picked up by a camera... It'll alert you on the phone. Your alarm system is very, very important. Now, having said all that, imagine you have all that equipment and an expert comes along with his uh, different saws that they can buy, battery-powered grinding saws, and they cut through your gate, and they're in the gate, and the next minute they're hitching up stuff uh, that might have trackers on it or they're into your house and they're out while you're at mass, and or you're off at the visiting friends and they're in the house the alarm is going off if you're in a remote area you you have a problem they can get in and get out very quickly yeah so but and, and the, the only way to defeat that is to make sure that you have neighborhood watch as yeah. best you can a neighborhood watch works it really really does yeah. work um even people like us when we go on surveillance and so on the, you know 10 Fifty percent of the time, even though we use special surveillance vehicles, everything, we're the, the, they come up and knock on our door and say, "Excuse me, why are you here why for the last here? hour?" You're, right, you're right. strange in the area, and then only, we just explain to them. Only too delighted to see them, Liam. Just yeah. before I let you go, you, you, I think was it you were telling Fergal a particularly horrible scam involving a dead dog. Okay, there's a scam. The, one of the worst scams that well, one of the worst methods, I suppose was uh, in a, a case many, many, oh, it's a good few years ago now, up in the border area, Drogheda area, where um, the travelling individuals had, you know, paid a visit to a, a, a property and had told somebody that, for example, it started with the roof, then it went into the gutters. The gutters became a big issue. And then, of course, the sewerage became a big issue. So what they decided to do they very cleverly got a dead dog and they put the dog into a pipe and they semi-submerged the pipe in an area beside a hedge. And <clears throat> obviously, over a period of time, the decomposition of the dog started to smell. Oh God. So so that, that uh, elderly couple rang them and said, you're right, the smell is terrible. And they came up, they just took the pipe away, they took... Obviously, got rid of the dead animal, dumped it in someone else's place, but got rid of the dead animal and and got themselves seven or eight thousand pounds for removing and supposedly fixing um, a sewerage issue. So they're up to everything, and you couldn't partly, react to them, could you? yeah, but 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 not only that. It we read about it like every week. We'll have we'll have. People ringing into the radio programs saying, oh, this scam and that scam and whatever. We we have to pull together and we have to just we have to get positive and, and stop waiting until something happens and then ring into a radio program and hope that the radio program is going to get these people arrested. Yeah. I.e. Joe Duffy. So the, the, you, everybody has to, you know, do something at your own personal protection it's your own property you own your garden the guards have so much on their place even though that we have the best police force on the planet and 
they, they with, with the amount of work and everything, you you just see with their new TV programs the horrible work they have to do. Yeah, but you have to help them. They're not. Yeah, you know, you have to gather the intelligence, and all it takes is something simple by somebody learning. They're walking around with a two hundred pound or a five hundred pound or a thirteen hundred pound phone in their hand, and they do not realise the actual power that phone has. With the, the video camera on us, can take photographs of regis. If your phone is on video and you're and you're in an area and you suspect something, just put it on video. Walk with it in your hand, holding it against your chest. Nobody will you get you'll video everything that's there. And then if there's something suspicious happens, the guards are well able to get that information, or you can you can then take a photograph off that video, and it could be the instant. Yeah. Uh, you know the instant solving we, of a, a we problem. We certainly need to or, to learn to look after ourselves and look after look after those around absolutely. us. Absolutely, yeah. and it's and it's essential that people take this really, really serious. Right. They have to take it serious. It's, right. It just goes on and on, and you know you'll hear people complaining, you'll hear the moaners, and they're doing nothing themselves. They think that you know it's all going to be dealt with for them. They have to make an effort, right. get out, spend some money, buy the proper equipment that's available to them, a good alarm system, properly set up uh, CCTV, and you're, you're, you're knocking 80, 90% of that problem on the head. Okay. Remember the last words I'd say, if people call to your premises and they see cameras, you, you don't need to put up covert cameras, you put up overt cameras. Mm. A big camera that... Uh, that they they look at and by the way putting up dummy cameras doesn't work they you buy them in pound shops they a, a dummy camera doesn't work they're well aware of what's real and what's not yeah you know so that's what they what you do you put up and invest in the proper the best investment you'll ever make okay. and all that stuff starts at three or four hundred quid so I'm advising people now as a result of yesterday and again congratulations to the two. Uh, you know, the Gardaí, and that lady was so brave. And uh, there are so many other people like her that would do the same thing in the same situation, given the right circumstances and given a chance, and, of course, given the right advice. Okay. All right, listen, Liam, thank you for your time and your wisdom. As always, that's Liam Brady, private investigator, across the various kinds of scam, thanks, Liam, that are going on around the country, around the city, around the county, up and down the country. And I mentioned earlier on the whole coming up to Christmas, people, the Canog and the Doris, you know, it's been a hard year for the charity. We have no money. We, we're in trouble. Will you buy the cat? No. No. Buy nothing. And I, I get in trouble for this every time I say it. I don't care. And I know I'm probably being unfair to legitimate charities. I don't care. Because for every legitimate charity that's out there, there's a dozen scammers. Buy nothing at the door. Nothing. Don't buy a bottle of water at the front door. As to mention this, I completely forgot in all the various bits and pieces we were covering today, I completely forgot to mention uh, this <laughs> this little moment in, in the dial yesterday, popular. which was and amusing. COVID-19 restrictions are not popular, but Deputy Healy has been against every restriction from the get-go. You, you have. Wait for it. Wait and for you're it. not paying your fair share in this. You stand up here every week objecting to this, that, and the other to the wait chair. For it, wait for it. Wait for it. Look, 
Neffet have advised level five. I understand the challenges that people are facing. I understand the challenges that people are facing in relation to level five. I want to know, are you going to withdraw the truth that you just said about me on the record of the day? You said that I was totally opposed to every restriction under level five. Are you going to withdraw it? It's untrue, it's a lie, and I'm asking you, are you going to withdraw it? On the record of the day, yes or no? Chamber. I'm entitled to make comments that I make. I make it in the best of good faith, Deputy, because all I've heard from you, I, I, you've opposed everything as far as I can see. You have, no, no, no. I'm asking you. I know I've voted against caller. You can't do that to somebody last town caller. You cannot do it. Stop shouting, please. Sure, could you please? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, and PJ, would you congratulate Michal Martin for putting down the two Hilly Ray boys in the dial yesterday? It was vintage Nemo says this message. The one with the caffeine was shouting so loud it could be heard back in the Milky Parlors in Kilgarvan. Access all areas on Quartz 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corpse Entertainment. Broken Crow, in association with the Everyman and Garter Lane, presents The Snow Queen, a new audio drama for all the family running from November 23rd to Friday 18th of December. It's a new eight-part serial adaptation of The Snow Queen by Deirdre Dwyer, a fresh reimagining of Hans Christian Andersen acclaimed children's story. You can check out everymancork.com for more details. Access all areas. While we wait for Cork's venues to open again, you can catch up on two of Triscoll's music series from the first lockdown. At Home with Triscoll features classical musicians and singer-songwriters and Piece by Piece featuring solo performances from some of Ireland's leading jazz improvisers. Go to triscollartcentre.ie for more details. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming event by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on the side On Cork's 96FM This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM I'm just looking over the Associated Press uh, state of the various votes in the United States and I'm going over this chart that they have on the swing states the ones that are very much in play and very much undecided and the just looking at them now the, the score on the door as it were with declared votes in the Electoral College now would be Joe Biden 238, Donald Trump 213 but with 270, of course, the the one to get. But if you go to Michigan, at the moment, uh, they're saying 83% of the vote counted and Donald Trump is ahead. Michigan has 16 votes. In Pennsylvania, they've 64% of the count completed and Donald Trump is ahead. That has 20 votes. North Carolina, 94% of the vote. They've 15 electoral college votes. Donald Trump ahead there. And in Georgia, 94% counted, and Donald Trump ahead there, they have 16 electoral college votes. Wisconsin very much in play, uh, not declared, I don't think it's declared yet, 95% there, that's Joe Biden ahead there. 
So the, the numbers are so tight, so absolutely tight. It really is squeaky bum time uh, for the United States today. And we'll run into tomorrow easily. 1850-715-996. Dr. Tony Holohan, the Chief Medical Officer, was speaking yesterday at the Oireachtas Transport Committee. And he was being asked about Neffet's advice for people who want to get home for Christmas. It's, look, it's seven weeks to Christmas. And this is Wednesday. And the Wednesday, the 23rd of December, should be the busiest day at Cork Airport, the busiest day at Dublin Airport, the busiest day at Shannon Airport, with thousands of people coming home for the Christmas. And it's not going to happen. And Dr. Holohan is just saying, look, at the moment, he can't even say what will happen, let alone how much of it will be able to happen. He he came under questioning yesterday at the Oireachtas Committee. It's a hypothetical question still, because the advice that has to p- pertain in relation to travel in the second half of December, it's the period you're asking me yes. about, relates to a whole lot of factors that are simply unknowable at this point in time. And again, I'm not avoiding the question by saying... Well, it's I not think you are, to, Dr. No, Wooden, you are no, really. of course I'm not. But yeah, no, it, it, we advise, it's not up to us to allow. The decisions will have to be, be made by government based on the advice. I can tell you what the advice will, will factor in. I can't tell you at a point in time what the advice will be. Now, Sarah, when you heard that, um, you, you started thinking about your own situation. What is it? Good morning. Well, my situation is actually not that unique. There's quite a lot of families in the same boat as me. Um, My husband's working in the Middle East. And like many other families, um, we are caught up in a bit of a COVID nightmare. My children haven't seen him for the last eight, nine months. And really the last significant time that he was at home was Christmas last year. We've missed all the the times that we should have spent with him during the year. We would have spent midterm, Easter, and summer with him. He would have been at home in May. Would he get home reasonably frequently, he would? Yeah, we we travel a lot to him, and he travels a lot back. Um, That's just, I suppose, the way of many families like ours. There's also very many other families who have people working here in Ireland who are in the same situation. Um, And so it's not just a simple case of coming home for Christmas. It's just basically coming home. Yeah. And like you say, the last significant amount of time you all spent together as a family was was last Christmas. That must have been hard now. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I'm lucky. My kids are really, really good kids. They're resilient. Um, I think it's far harder for my husband. He's on his own. At least I've got um, family here with me. And that's, you know, that's something. But the kind of speculation that we see on newspapers, on the airwaves, um, you know, in newspapers, on social media, is really, really unhelpful. It's a bit like before we went to level five, there was constant speculation, were we going to level four? Was it going to be 4.2, 3.9, 5.1? And that really, really drives anxiety levels. So every time my my child um, hears somebody talking about this, about whether or not there should be restrictions, can we have people traveling at Christmas? That causes a huge amount of anxiety for her. And, you know, I get the questions, Mom, does that mean Dad won't be allowed to come home? Um, Are we going to see Dad at all? And she actually said to me, I just don't want Christmas because without Dad, we're we're not a proper family. That's hard. That's hard to listen to. How How do you all communicate? Can you communicate reasonably well? Well, I think we're really, really lucky that it's happening now and, you know, not 10 years ago because obviously technology has advanced hugely and we live on WhatsApp video calls. And I mean, sometimes I laugh and I say it's like he lives in the house, but they just can't hug him. 
Yeah. Um, because he's very much here. He'll often have breakfast with the kids at the at the weekend and he's there on the screen, but it's not the same thing. And I know people will say that Christmas is just another day and maybe it is for me and for him, but it really isn't for our children. Do you know, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I, I think, and I think, I think if you're really honest, Sarah, and I expect that you are, it wouldn't be the same to wish him happy Christmas on the screen. Oh God, no. No, no. it's not, but... You know, I suppose I'm trying not to think of it like that. I'm trying to think of it really. I'm, I'm more focused, I guess, on on my kids. And and I guess the constant speculation that we're hearing is actually very unhelpful. Mm. And the thing and is, regardless, me, regardless of what restriction level we're at, the yeah. the, the, the flying situation, the travelling situation has been pretty much the same since day one. Yeah, yeah. And so I suppose in one sense, thing really has changed but the commentary around it has changed in the last number of weeks and um, even last night I was just reading some comments and this morning you know uh, where a journalist had said you know up to 800,000 people coming home is a pretty risky strategy uh, I think we'll just have to accept that Christmas is going to be a much sadder affair you know commentary like that I think that's really really unhelpful and I think that nothing is very black and white and yeah. when it comes to travel it's even not black and white what's essential travel and what's not I think sometimes when we talk about essential travel, we very much focus on goods and services. And we forget sometimes that people are a very big part of this pandemic as well. And that for a child, seeing their parent is an essential service. You know, that is essential travel. But in order to have that, you have to have... um, You have to have something in place. And I'm not for one second saying that we should have travel just opened up and tourists should be coming and Mm. everything should be going back to the way it was. I very much think that travelling needs controls and, you know, those controls need to be adopted. And if they're violated, then there needs to be a consequence. And it's very interesting to me. I suppose it maddens me the way we're, we're handling this pandemic. I believe very strongly that in this country we're kind of victims of inefficient systems. You know, that when you look at our health system, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. It's kept going by very dedicated frontline workers who are keeping a very broken system going. You could say the same thing about our school system. And certainly when this virus hit, our contact tracing, um, our systems... We've had since last March to get this right and we still don't seem to have it. And I look at my husband and the systems in the Middle East. If he was to come home, he will have to do a PCR test within 96 hours of him leaving the country. That will be repeated on his return. His quarantine location will have to be given and it will be checked. Mm. He will have to have government approval to go back to work. And any company that takes him back to work before that quarantine period is up, you know, will be fined. So... They have a system. And the last time that I visited him, you know, I didn't know anything about COVID. It wasn't part of our life. I arrived into the country. My temperature was checked. I filled in a form. I gave practically my entire life story on it. And and at any stage, they knew exactly where I travelled from, who I'd been in contact with, where I could be found in the country, you know. And it was all very strong. And this was at a time, time, sorry, where I didn't even know what COVID was. And I came back into Ireland and there was a yellow circle on the floor of the airport and that was the only indication that this virus even existed. So I do think we have to look at our systems. I do think that when it comes to this pandemic, we really are a victim of the services that we've allowed to flounder over the last number of years. But I do think that we are very often punishing people for inefficiencies in our systems. Sarah, I am running out of time, unfortunately. I'd love to take this further with you, but I wish you well, and I hope something works out for you and your 
husband and your kids. You can't. It's not the same. And don't anyone try and say it is the same. A screen is not the same on Christmas Day. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. If there is, I think they've pretty much wrapped up for the night now in the United States. There might be some counting going on, but it's, it's really squeaky bum time tight. It is uh, six in the morning in most parts of the States now. So the six in the morning, or it could be in the other part, it's, yeah, it's, anyway, it's the middle of the night, the early hours of the morning in most parts of the United States now. And they've probably wrapped up for the night, but it's very tight and very tightly poised. And you heard the speeches earlier on this morning. Uh, Joe Biden says, thank you for your patience and we'll get there. And Donald Trump says, we're already there and they'll be suing you if we're not. So that's more or less where that's poised. So if there's any more developments before 12, we'll certainly come back to it. Also, remind you at this point, I just uh, very uh, thought came to my head uh, because of the busyness of the day. Uh, we forget that it was a year ago today and around about this time on the day that we lost the master. Uh, Gayborn passed away this day a year ago, the 4th of November uh, 2019. And all of us who ply our trade in the world of broadcasting uh, think of him frequently when we listen back to what the guy was able to do. And we watched all the television stuff that was out during the year as well. So uh, rest in peace, Gabor. And uh, we're all thinking of you, mate. 1850-715-996. I want to talk about something really nice. It came from a simple idea and it has grown into something much, much bigger. Laura, good morning. Good morning. What is the Babogue Project? The Babogue Project, so the aim of the Babogue Project has been to make um, a tiny palm-sized doll for each of the 6,000 babies that are said to have died in Ireland's mother and baby homes. So when did this come about? How did... So it started, the project started actually about two years ago um, and it started, um, so I'm a doll maker, I've been a doll maker for about 10 years um, and it started because I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine in the summer of 2018 um, and she told me part of her story and that was and part of that was that she was born in a mother and baby home and I hadn't known that part of her story mm. um, and I offered to make a doll for her um, that's um, one thing I do <laughs> is I offer to make dolls for people when I feel there is something emotional um, that it, they, it might help them to be able to hold themselves in you know in some way. Yeah. Um, so I made her a doll and um, she found it really helpful and she was really touched and she asked me would I make dolls for her two siblings who were also born in mother and baby homes and one of whom her little brother died there while he was five weeks old okay. and he's buried in an unmarked pauper's grave okay. and um, so I of course I made those dolls and while I was making her little brother's doll I just cried and I cried and I felt so honoured to be able to hold him in this way and to love him him and to just acknowledge that he was here and he was important um, and so when I made that it was a really emotional experience for me um, and I thought oh gosh I'd really love to do this for, for every baby that died in this way you know just just hold them in my heart for the couple of hours it takes How to big is the little doll Laura? Is it a- 
they fit into the palm of your hand, tiny. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that's what I decided to do. Um, I decided to make a doll for, for every baby that had died in Ireland's mother and baby homes. So how many and have you now made? Well, it's not just me. So obviously um, I did the research and realised it's estimated it's 6,000 and there's no way I could make 6,000 dolls. And that was the beginning of the Babog project, which was just an invitation for anybody who felt called to, to do the same thing, to just hold somebody in their heart for those couple of hours. And at the moment we have, I think, I haven't done a final count, but we have over 6,000 dolls. Wow. That's Amazing. so much mm. And how many people have contributed? How many doll makers have contributed to that? I have no idea. Hundreds and hundreds um, from every county in Ireland, all walks of life, all ages. Some people have worked alone. Some people have worked in groups. Some people have worked with their mother and their grandmother and their daughter together at a table. Um, there's been people from as far away as Alaska and New Zealand. There's people from north of the border. There's people from the UK, people from mainland Europe. Just It's touched so many hearts. Um, and and there, it's a, a beautiful community of, of people who have mm-hmm. gathered together to do this simple thing. Yeah. I'm looking at some photographs of them here. They're just such pretty pretty little things and they'll mean so much to, to so many people and it doesn't go without noticing that uh, you got to the end of this task uh, just at the same time as the, the mother and baby homes bill was going mm. through the doyle yeah that's right um, yeah it's it's been very strange in that way um, you know it's a kind of a strange experience it's, and it's kind of you know for me um, my response was then to make a, a doll and send them to my representatives. Is it felt like a natural kind of follow on from what I was doing, um, and it feels like um, this project is a huge show of support from you know women and men and children all around the country, all around the world. Is this enormous show of support, and it feels like a, a big voice. You know, that um, and a voice that needs to be heard. It's not, um, and it's quite a different approach. It's not a an um, an angry placard. You know, it's a very creative. It's a tiny little piece mm. of craft that says this represents a tiny baby who was born, who did exist, who Mm. was loved, Mm. and who didn't make it. That's right. And it also represents the person, it represents primarily the maker saying, I care, I really care, I care so much, you know, um, and I think that um, the act of making has been very important because it's given the people who are making them a lot of time to reflect. And that um, I've really noticed from, from the letters and notes that come with the dolls that people's hearts have opened to the stories and the realities um, and, um, you know, the plight and the suffering of the mother and children in a way that it perhaps hadn't happened mm. before. Um, there's a depth of empathy that has come with, with each doll as well that I think is really important. You know, we, people need to love enough and they need to care enough to do something yeah. and I, this is this where we're at now do you know what can we do to support the survivors and the mothers and the victims is, and it, is there I a way like, and I know in the pandemic it's difficult but is, is there a way to 
to bring all these little dolls together in in one place at one time and maybe do a an art installation or something. Yes, that well, that's that's the plan. So I, they are all together. They're all here in my home. Oh. Um, yes. <laughs> so the people have been sending them to me um, for the last two years. Um, so I have them all gathered here together, and the idea is to 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 turn them into a physical exhibition that would tour Ireland so that people could come. I particularly would love to take them to the places where the mother and baby homes were. I oh, think yeah. that would be really powerful. Oh, yeah. um, but however, I also feel it's really important that when we do that exhibition, that installation, that people can come together and hug each other. They can hold each other's hands. And I think that, you know, this project is about connection and I think that connection needs to happen in the exhibitions. So I think we might just wait until COVID is at such a place where we yeah. can do that. But in the meantime, the plan is to make a virtual online exhibition. So we'll, I'm hoping to lay all the dolls out together on the land um, and, and then we'll need a drone to fly over them. So people will get, get you know, we'll be able to see them all. So that, okay. that's the next step for the project. All right. well, when, when you have that done, come back to me because I'd really, really love to see what you've done with it. But it, congratulations, it's a simple idea that's turned into something beautiful. Mm. Thank you, thank you very much. Cheers yep. Laura, take care now. Thank you, take bye. Laura Whelan in Court McSherry, the woman behind the Bob Oak project, 96 FM. Another thing about being in a married relationship. Yeah. Are you married to somebody who thinks that the fairies put diesel in the car? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> or, or the jobs she doesn't want to do are called man jobs. So, for example, getting rid of daddy long legs, that's a man's job. Or cleaning out the gutters, that's a man's job. If I try and tell her that the washing machine is a woman's job, oh. I'll have a washing machine at the side of my head. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool celebrating the arrival of the new Skoda Octavia. Book your test drive now at noeldc.com. Exclusively Skoda in Cork City. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Are you there, Orla? I am indeed. There's only yeah. one way to introduce this. How is my little man? He's grand. <laughs> That's always been his music since I first heard about him. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be eight on Friday. He is, yeah. Tell us, tell listeners who Michael Barry is, just so they would, might in case they forget, maybe. Michael is um, known on Facebook as Superman Michael's Little Steps and on Instagram as Michael's Hydrocephalus Journey. Um. Michael was born eight years ago, a hydrocephalus, and we were told that he would not survive, basically. Um, and he's eight on Friday. Wow. Wow. And a special lad. He is. He's great fun. Oh, he is. He loves, 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 loves music. Yeah. And he has a special little musical request for people to celebrate his birthday. So Michael is not into cards and he's not into toys. 
but he is into music. Right. The only song that he does not like is Happy Birthday. Really? Yeah, he hates it. He hates me singing. <laughs> like, I sing, but he hates me singing. But he likes to listen to other people singing. So, I came up with a plan a couple of weeks ago to get people to record themselves singing a song for Michael's birthday on Friday. Okay. Now, there is other surprises lined up in relation to Little Blue Heroes and that. But I want something to happen inside the house because of COVID. He can't have any of his friends over. My family can't come down from Dublin. Um, my partner's family can't come down from Limerick. So yeah. we're It's been have a very hard practice. few months, of course, hasn't it? With him it has been cocooning since Michael, day one. Yeah. yeah, Michael still hasn't gone back to school because I don't feel like... The school are absolutely fantastic, but he's my one and only, and I don't want to risk him going into school and mm. giving or getting coronavirus. Yeah, and of course so, he he's had to stay away from all his friends as well, isn't he? He has, yeah. He like he hasn't even been going into supermarkets or anything. Like uh, like he any hospital visits that he's had since he was two, he'd always wear a mask. So he's well used to wearing the mask. At, even now, yeah, like we were down to the doctor this morning and wore a mask like he's no problem wearing the masks, but it's just too risky to bring him into a shopping centre yeah. for him to get the freedom of the wheelchair because the, the house can only give him so much pleasure like wheeling around like, so, mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So where can people send something for him? Uh, um, they can record themselves singing either... Um, facing the camera or just like having the um, phone or whatever they're recording from down it can be a blank screen it doesn't matter and they can send it to michaelslittlesteps at yahoo.com michaelslittlesteps at yahoo.com yeah and the only thing is don't sing happy birthday for him because he doesn't like it <laughs> he doesn't like it <laughs> alright and you're hoping to have loads of them I have about 25 of them at the moment really so I'm hoping to get a few more yeah alright yeah. okay well, let us see what we can drum up for Thanks, people who followed his story. And there's a lovely photograph of him on Facebook. Uh, and uh, you have it's from last month. There's a bit of building going on in the there house. Is, there is, yeah. He's getting his extension built finally for his new bedroom and his bathroom. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's been able to go on through the COVID with the... It only started when um, Level 5 came. Oh, dear me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <Yeah. laughs> so, even, like... We are kind of still still cocooning, so like when the wall breaks through, like his room will be closed. He will be coming into our bedroom oh. to sleep for until the room is actually finished. Been there, done that, Orla, and yeah. not to, and, and 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 fairly recently. <laughs> and he's allergic to dust, which is not very oh, good. No. Oh, well, listen, the best of luck, and hope the birthday is great. Thanks very much, Peter. All right, Michael. Really not at all. Take care and give him a high five for me as always, Orla. That's Michael's Little Steps. Michael's Little Steps at yahoo.com is the email. Any song, any bit of music at all, performing or singing, except Happy Birthday because he doesn't like it. And he'll make his day when he turns eight on Friday, a birthday that the doctors thought he'd never see. 1850 715996. Corks 96 FM's hit mix is one year online.
So to celebrate, we're giving away 500 euro to one loyal listener. 500 euro. For your chance to win, follow Cork's 96FM on Instagram now. Tag your mates, then share it in your Insta stories using the hashtag HitMixMoney. HitMixMoney. 500 euro. Cork's 96FM's HitMix. Non-stop, fresh, new music. Listen on your phone, smart speaker, or see 96fm.ie. Just on the subject of the US elections, it's tight. We told you, if you were listening to the opinion line yesterday and the day before, it was going to be tight. Now, did we think it was going to be this tight? No. We knew it was going to be a lot tighter. But some people thought we'd get a, a Biden landslide, a blue wave Never happened. Never happened. And and it was never likely to happen. Once the CNN opinion poll came out last night and said that the economy was of huge value to people, rather and more value than COVID, in, in terms of a, an election issue. When you consider the way the economy was booming under Trump two years ago, it was always going to be really, really tight. Uh, this expat, US expat, who's currently applying for Irish citizenship, says... It's sad that there was no huge voter turnout against Trump. Smart money is still on Biden winning this thing, to be fair. But it's by the skin of his teeth, not by a mile. Smart money is that he will pull through. He'll get the states he needs. But in the latest polls I was giving you a few minutes ago, in an awful lot of those states that would make the decision, the key swing states... Where they are at the moment, Trump is ahead. Or where they're hoping that when the postal votes are counted, the postal votes are expected to be heavily Democrat. So they will favour Biden. So there's a lot of play left in this yet. 1850-715-996. Let's return and get an update on something that started here on the show about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. I took a call from Katrina Toomey at the Cork Penny Dinners. Um, And she'd been speaking about an idea that she has for Christmas. Because obviously, because of restrictions and because of space, the actual Penny Dinners unit in Little Hanover Street, they can't admit anybody to have a meal. It's all takeaway and all looking after people through the door and through the window. But Katrina wants to do something for Christmas Day on Little Hanover Street and we kind of coined the miracle on Little Hanover Street to go along with the miracle on 34th Street the the Christmas movie and we talked about we'd love to get behind it we'd love to help we'd love people to pile in and see can they help to make it happen How are we doing Katrina? Good morning Hi, good morning PJ Uh, You know we're not doing we're not doing too bad I suppose you know we have all the food covered obviously from the Riverley Hotel so that's done um, our volunteers are in place all ready to go. We have some people that have expressed an interest in giving us pods and I one one man that was with us on Sunday, um, he makes pods and he's going to donate four pods to us. Brilliant. And um, what he's thinking of doing as well is the pods retail at 1500 euros each and he was wondering if other people might come on, sponsor a pod for the day with us pay the 1500 and when after Christmas Day, then they can take it and put it 
behind their premises, outside their premises, but people can, from their workplace, their employees, can either go and eat or have a cigarette break or whatever way they do things, but they have that option then and having their colours and their logos and on the, the pad as well. So that sounds like a very reasonable, good idea, you know, as well. So um, hopefully that will take place and there are four, six and eight pods. Right. So where I, I gave them Terry's number, so he was in touch with Terry and there's another few have expressed interest in that. We have the guy, Finbar, that does the sound for the Corpus Christi procession. He's going to look after the sound for us on Christmas Day by putting up speakers outside penny dinners, you know, right. from the the walls so that we can play kind of How about access to the street? Have you able to deal with the politics of that? I think that's going to be sorted as well. We're waiting and um, an email is is going to um, on its way to the superintendent over in Anglesey Street and we know that on Christmas Day the traffic won't be heavy at all at all so we're hoping like that that that's a yes and I, I believe it will be because nobody wants to see anybody outside on Christmas Day. No. So that's what we're, we're hoping for. I know Kieran McCarthy is going to get us a safety officer from the City Hall who will guide us in all aspects of the safety and stuff like that. So you know come for Kieran McCarthy so that will that will happen. We have numerous offers. We have a couple of offers of heaters as well. I think we have an offer of three, so that'll be going to Terry, your Terry above um, as well. And um, so, yeah, like, there are another couple of things to do. We're going to, we've decided, like, that contact with the Army would be for the best. That We, we could ask the Army, could they come down and put up those long, you know, the way they put up the, the tents that yeah. have uh, no floor, if that makes sense to you, um, and they, they put them up so there's sides and there's a roof yeah. and it just means everybody will be dry but yeah. they're spacious they're very very long and um, you know we'd be able to keep all that social and kind of cover the street yeah. as best as possible with cover a couple of big military tents yeah absolutely and I'm sure you know other people would come on board then we'd put a bit of shrubbery there Christmas you know we, we have kind of those things more or less in place as well you know, I I know Margaret Griffin of Griffin's Garden Centre. She's just absolutely amazing to us and has been for years and years. And I'm sure Margaret will take that up like so. Right. And you've had, you've had word back from the North Pole that himself would make a visit? Oh, yeah, he's coming via the Polar Express in Kent Station. The lads down there kind of look after that for us every year and they've been doing that for a, a long time. So um, that's, that's good. And, you know, we have... We have lifts arranged for people as well so that nobody's left out and nobody's going to go without that dinner on Christmas Day. Is there anything at the moment, Katrina, that you're still struggling for that maybe we could help you with? Well, I suppose, I tell you what, we probably need somebody that could come in and maybe just manage this project, manage this for me because I have all the ideas, I have the vision, it's clear in my head, but articulating it is causing me a bit of a problem. Like So maybe if somebody came in and swung it all together, it would make life a lot easier for me because, PJ, we're very busy at the minute. I swear, it's just very hard. Mm. And we're, we're flying through everything and anything. And, you know, we've always had a demand on our service, but we've never had such a demand like yeah. it is They're now. looking for someone really with an events background that would be able exactly. to pull this all together around exactly. them. Exactly, because, you know, like, I know everybody that'll come is going to be happy. We're not asking for 
for the earth. Like, we're just asking that we have a place where people can come and sit. Yeah. And would it be that you'd need this kind of help maybe in the lead up and maybe to be there on the day for an hour or two just to make sure it all goes goes Maybe, maybe if somebody wants to do that, definitely in the lead up, you know, and... Um, kind of just so that we're good to go on the day and we don't have any hiccups and I believe that will happen as well. We also are going to meet with um, the, the Deep South, you know, the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to try and do Christmas Eve and St. Stephen's Day in there. Oh, brilliant. Just, just to keep um, people... You know, to let them know they're cared about. PJ, we're losing a lot of people and we have to pull the stops out. Not yeah. just because we want to do it, but we want people to know that they're cared about, they're loved. Yeah. And, and we want them to, to to know that big time. I, um, we're very upset at the minute in Penny Dinners and um, mm. we, we really are. And we're very upset that mental health has just been discarded right, left and centre and been pushed aside and the government have taken no notice of anybody they're yeah. oblivious to what's going on. They need the services in there right now this minute and they need to start doing something right yeah. now. Have you had a little bit of bad news yourselves, you have? We had very, very sad news and we're broken. We're broken hearted. And again, it hammers home to us the need for the government for to look after the mental health of this country. It's it's not just getting worse. It's going out of control. Yes. Because the people that are suffering, that have recognised mental health issues, their their issues have got greater now. And then we have people that are going into mental health issues because of loss of businesses, loss of jobs, risk of losing homes, not being able to pay bills, not being able to buy food. We have all of that on top of everything else. And the numbers are huge. They're massive. So it's not just Cork. It's probably all over the country. There are terrible things happening. There's tragedies right, left and centre. When are the government going to say, oh, like, we have to stand up and be counted and try and get in there to sort this problem? But they don't have to be sitting on plan. Just get in there and start doing something. The rest yeah. will follow. Take a chance. What's there are the people who will tell you what needs to be done. Just go and do it. Just go and do it. Just go and do it. Take that leap of faith because we don't want to lose anybody, you know, anybody else. Yeah. And, um, yeah, again, we're suffering and we're going to be very strong in asking our government like to help fix this problem. No. We're fed up of waiting. We're fed up. I'm fed up of speaking and saying the same thing over and over and over again, PJ. And I'm fed up of, you know, nothing coming back and nobody taking any notice. It just means like that my voice isn't heard by the government, but I'm saying it to them straight out now. What drives you to keep going, Katrina? I don't know. I didn't expect to be doing this like you know always like I, I really didn't but I think you see when when you do something and when you work with the volunteers that I work with I've never met such people like them in my entire life you know they're just so amazing and they make everything I do very very easy because you know, if I ring them, they say, what do you want? Do you know? Or they say, I'm not here, I left the country, you know, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But none of them ever say no to me. They just do it. And no matter how hard it is, they do it because they see what I see. They see the hurt. They see the pain. They see the humiliation. They now see the devastation that's been wreaked on everybody and and the fear. And that's that's real. 
we can feel it. Fear, fear, fear. People fearful now for their futures. They're, they're fearful for their futures, for their sanity, for their survival, for their homes, for their in a bill. You know, they're fearful that anything, you know, can happen. They're fearful that they'll get the virus. They're fearful of everything. And it, it's just culminated now in this this awful hurt that's out there, the mm. despair. Okay. And w- w- we we are aware of it, PJ. We're, we're aware of it morning, noon and night and penny dinners. When we go around at night and we see we're finished our long day and penny dinners and we go around with the dinners and we're we're driving around and the lads are on the bike and it was one of our night riders we lost and oh. we yeah we're broken and then um, when we go around and we see like it's not just like people are just thrown there like you know you wouldn't you'd expect to go to another country and find that in their poorest poorest areas you wouldn't expect to find this you know and everybody is doing their best if all our frontline workers like and all our like who are our frontline workers? They're our bus drivers. They're everybody. They're all doing their bit. You're doing your bit. Everybody. They're you and your best. night and your night crew and your day crew. They're, yeah. they're, you're all frontline workers. Yeah, and we have we have our you, you know our our hospital staff. You know all the entire staff. We have our guardian. We have everybody doing their job except our government. Yeah. People's mental health. People's physical health. People's you know it matters, yeah. and they must. They must step in right now and stop it. We're heading into Christmas, and Christmas always brings problems. Yesterday, we worked with the Coxley Persons Search and Recovery, and they were very swift in what they did yesterday. But they're they're so good and experienced at what they do as well. Yeah. But they, like like everybody else goes in, they get a job done. And we have to ask questions of our government now. Why aren't you getting the job done? This yeah. is what you're elected for. You're minister for this, our minister for that. Do your job and do it well. You know, we, we listen to... And if you need to know what to do, we'll tell you. Exactly. We listened to an interview the other night whereby we were told it's okay to buy alcohol, but not okay to put a pair of socks or something on your feet, do you know? So it's okay to get drunk, but not okay to keep yourself warm, to buy clothes. And I, this is another thing that I'm very passionate about. We have people that can't buy jackets or jumpers, you know, winter ones, because we kind of went from a long summer or warm weather, like in the autumn, in, yeah. into a, a particularly cold time now. And the shops are shut to sell jackets, to sell socks, to sell shoes. Yes. You know, we have people coming up in slippers asking us, like, look, look at the state of us, like, we can't get them. Yeah. Um, these aren't people that can't afford them. These are people that just genuinely can't buy them, yes. you know. And what is what is that nonsense, like, you know? If you're going into the same shop and you're buying your stuff inside the shop, what's the difference with buying your essential clothing? You know, yeah. so and we had an idiot on prime time telling us that clothes are not essential. Exactly, exactly. Do you know? We we, we knew we heard of somebody the other day who, after finishing work, like the weather was after getting very cold, went into the shop to buy a jacket, one of the supermarkets that sells clothes, and the staff couldn't sell it to him. Like, mm-hmm. and he had to go away and freeze. Like, do you know, after finishing a day's work, like, and and is getting home, he was buying it out of his wages and stuff like that. But like, how? Whoever thinks up these things, like, yeah. they must not be living on the same planet that we're living on. Yeah. They're out of touch. They have no reality or no perception of what people are going through. And, you know, 
everybody hurts sometimes. And for goodness sake, there must be somebody in that government that has hurted as well. Can't they stand up and just be accounted for? Yeah. And so what if you lose your job? You'll have your pension. So, so what? Do you know, stand up and be brave enough and stand up for the people that you've been, you know, voted to to represent. It's just not happening, PJ. No. Not happening at all. And if, if you go and look at, like, the elderly people again now are isolated from their families. You know, it's, it's hurting everybody yeah. and losing people during this. Yeah. You know, like, so many for a wedding, so many for a funeral, so many for this, so many for that. Like, in, it, it, none of it seems to be doesn't Make. seem to be registering where it should. Yeah. Katrina, I'll leave you go for today. And my thoughts are with you. I know who you're talking about. We're not going to mention, obviously, on the on the air. No. But I know who. And, uh, and my thoughts are with you and all of the volunteers and everybody at, at Penny Dinners. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Bye-bye. That's Katrina Toomey. 1857 Eight weeks or seven weeks Friday. We shall make it happen. If there's anybody out there with a bit of events management background that would give her a few hours, a couple of times between here and then, She'd be only too delighted to, to to have your your assistance, and it was the someone very close to the penny dinners last night, um, unfortunately. So sad time down there today. Thanks, Katrina, for taking our call. Caller says great credit to Katrina for that. She does great work and tells it like it is. Uh, oh, hello, Tom. Tom was on to me a couple of weeks ago. Tom made us all jealous, and he made some people cross, but he made us all jealous by saying himself and the missus were about to retire to the Canaries a few years early to get away from all this virus. He just rang to say, Tom, you're an awful devil. He just rang from Fertiventura, there's Posh, to say they definitely made the right decision. It's 24 degrees, he's just back from a swim, and there's very low COVID there. Hate you. <laughs> Good luck, Tom, with the move. Good luck, and I'm glad we parted friends. 1857-15996. Briefly today, before we get going, the Cork International Film Festival is coming up, and they've got a very special theme this year for transition year students. It's called Intin. Is it? I got it right, even McCarthy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? You absolutely have got it right, Intin. Yes. What's What's it about? So Intin is our new film and mental health programme for transition year students and also open to other senior cycle students as well that allows young people to explore different mental health experiences through film. Um, and we're delivering it as a national programme this year. Uh, last year we ran it really successfully in Cork, um, obviously physically with young people uh, here in St. Peter's in the Gate Cinemas. Um, but, and we were hoping to roll it out as a programme across Munster in schools earlier this year. Um, but of course, with the restrictions, we've had to pivot it as a digital programme, which right. is, allows us to deliver it across the country. And it's to do mental health, well-being among young people, and you want transition your students to make, make short films for you. Well, in fact, uh, we actually present uh, a film uh, by director Frank Berry that was designed by young people for young people and had young people involved in it. It's called I Used to Live Here. It's a fantastic um, film that was designed with Jigsaw, which is now Headstrong, the youth film and um, the youth mental health um, centre. And um, it it was designed, as I say, for young people and with them in mind to allow them to experience uh, different mental health experiences. Um, So we're going to present that film for, for students around the country, followed by a Q&A with the director, okay. Frank Barry, and also the, the cast member, Jordan Jones, uh, with Dr. Tony Bates as well, a very well-known youth mental health advocate, joins that Q&A as well. And how can people get involved? 
so we're, we're taking bookings at the moment. If you just get in touch with schools at corkfilmfest.org, we have 2,000 students from across the country, over 50 schools, including 15 from Cork uh, involved at the moment. Um, so we actually have a waiting list in operation because there's so many people looking to get involved in this and get their students involved. Um, but we do hope to run it as an annual programme. So if you don't have a chance this year, there'll be more chances in future years to get involved in it. Schools at corkfilmfest.ie dot org yeah dot org dot org and when do you open when does the festival actually open so the festival is opening this Sunday uh, and running until the 15th of November with lots of films online for you to, to be able to watch from the right. comfort of your home. Um, but if you want to get out and about and if you live within five kilometres, the Cork Costume Trail is open at the moment in the windows of the Gate Cinemas at the River Lee and the Metropole Hotel where you can see uh, uh, costumes from famous Irish films and TV right. programmes that you all can right. follow. All right. Good luck with it to all involved and that's the Cork International Film Festival. Gone digital, gone online for 2020 like everything else and the Intin project schools at corkfilmfest.org if you want to be part of that that's it for today the programme edited by Terry Brennan produced and researched by Fergal Barry just before we go today we're thinking at this time of Ashling O'Connor and her huge contribution to organ donation and our thoughts are with that today I'll see you tomorrow just after nine you can go your own